you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey there, everybody. It is Tuesday, February 1st, 2022. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where we don't make enough money to have real diamonds in our chain. I'm Marcus Grant, alongside Michael F. Florio. Producer Justin is at the controls, and we've reached sort of dead week. It's the uh, the week between Championship Week and the Super Bowl. It's the Pro Bowl week, so uh, we're going to just kind of dive in on some uh, on some positional stuff. But uh, first of all, uh, you know, aside from the obvious pain of not having your team in the championship games, uh, Florio. What, what did you think of the AFC and NFC title games? Uh, I, I thought I thought the NFC brought pain for you, and I, I'm sorry about that, Marcus. Uh, I, I'm happy for Matthew Stafford as someone who's always kind of rooted for him, though. Uh, in the AFC, man, I want to know where the real Patrick Mahomes went in the second half in <laughs> overtime because he he had time to throw and he just nothing was there for him. I, I know it's a it's an unpopular take. I want to give all the credit to the Bengals fans, but as a scorned Bills fan watching that game, it was like, man, the Bills just won last week. I think they'd be in the Super Bowl right now. I mean, it's it's hard to imagine they wouldn't be. Um and, and I don't know who that guy was wearing the Patrick Mahomes jersey in the second half. Um the amount of times he he just ran around in the pocket, held on to the football, didn't throw it. And even in key situations, just uh, holding on to the ball. Um, I feel like after they, they they had that pass at the end of the first half, the little swing out to Tyreek Hill, they get stopped, the clock runs out, they don't get any points before halftime. That seemed like the beginning of the end for them because they didn't really do much after that. Um, and so now they're sitting at home, I think much to a lot of people's surprise. But congrats to the Bengals, man. They, uh, they are the swaggiest team that ever swagged. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you saw, did you see the the photo of Jamar Chase's dad and uh, Joe Burrow's dad smoking cigars like in the yeah. parking lot afterwards? That was pretty amazing. <laughs> it, it must be great for them being like, yo, two years ago we were doing this in college and now we're doing this in the NFL, like in the Super Bowl. The first number one pick ever to go to the Super Bowl within two years as a quarterback. Like it is, it's an amazing story. I, I don't know if they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I think like, 
they've already so far exceeded any expectations for them. Oh, they absolutely have. I mean, I you know I remember going back and seeing people you know having them pegged for three wins, four wins, uh, just whatever. And and you know I I think even the most optimistic of Bengals fans would tell you that they didn't expect this team to be in the Super Bowl. So it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, as for the NFC, it it hurts sort of how it happened. Um, the fact is, I didn't think this team was going to make this kind of a run. I didn't think they would really be here. Um, and so them losing isn't necessarily what's painful. It's sort of how they lost. The fact that, uh, much like the Super Bowl two years ago, they had a 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter, and uh, it didn't happen. And part of it, not not the full reason, but certainly part of it, was because the quarterback uh, couldn't find a way to move the football when they needed to or find a way to get points when they needed to. Um, so... Uh, as you can imagine, the text chain of friends I have is is appropriately salty. Um, one of my friends has vowed that he will text us every day, reminding us of that soul-crushing interception um, until Jimmy Garoppolo is no longer on the roster. So uh, right now we are at two days worth of texts. Um, we'll see how long this goes. <laughs> the thing, like, yeah, Jimmy G deserves a lot of the blame, but uh, I think Kyle Shanahan deserves even more. Like, Kyle Shanahan is a great coach. He's a great play caller. But, man, does his reputation now has to be, like, being far too conservative in big games. I mean, we saw what happened with the Falcons when they blew the the big Super Bowl <laughs> lead to Brady. The 10-point lead in the Super Bowl. And then the 10-point lead, the other like, the other day, fourth and two in the Rams' territory. Right. You just had the Rams use the, the worst challenge I've ever seen. They had no more timeouts. You have Debo Samuel back there. Like, you don't get him a touch. You punt the ball. Once they punted there, I was like... The Rams, like, when they came out and lined back up, Marcus, I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen because the Rams <laughs> had them about to punt and then allowed them to change their mind. And then they just went back to punting, and I was like, I, I don't get this at all. It's like both coaches were trying to allow the other team to win. I didn't, I didn't understand lining up to try to draw them off sides and to stand there with, like, 15 seconds and just bark signals. After a while, the Rams were kind of like, okay, well, they're not going to actually run a play, um, which... Two things. One, first off, if you're going to stand there and line up for 15 seconds and just bark signals, I said that it's like the it's like the football aver, uh, version of the fake to third, fake to first in baseball. The thing that like never works. And everybody's <laughs> like, why are you doing this? You're wasting time. But second, and and our pal Roto Pat Pat Doherty brought this up too. And I've always thought this: why not line up and sit there and try to draw the team off sides and. Then once they all sort of relax and expect you're not going to run a play at like two or one, snap the football, run a play. See if you can catch the defense off guard, because at some point, everybody just sort of relaxes. They're like, OK, well, you're not actually going to snap it. That's when you snap it. Um, they become more know. concerned with not jumping than they do with actually jumping to stop the play. Right. I agree. Right. I agree. So I'm, I'm waiting for the day that some coach tries that where you just kind of lull everybody into a sense of security. And then you run a play and you see what happens. But Yeah. Yeah, so um, I, I we'll also see. felt like, hey, you have Trey Lance there, man. Like he could pick up two yards. The fact that they actually never tried a real Trey Lance package in the second half of the season was a little bit strange. But um, it seems as though the Trey Lance era may be beginning in San Francisco. So uh, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I think after a couple of days, I think I'm sort of over it a little bit. I also I can't really hate this Rams team. I know as a Niners fan, I'm supposed to. They're rivals, but. Um, it's kind of a hard Rams team to hate. I kind of like their players. So uh, so good luck to whoever wins. It should be entertaining, and I'm sure we'll talk plenty about it uh, as we get closer to the actual game. All right. 
Um, we're going to talk some wide receivers today, but first, there are a couple of big things uh, worth jumping into. First off, uh, a couple of coach hirings. Josh McDaniels going to be hired to be the coach of the Raiders. Brian Dable leaves your bills, uh, staying in state technically. I don't know. He's going to play his games in Jersey now, but uh, technically he, he's still in New York with the Giants. Um, with Nathaniel Hackett going to Denver, the Packers elevate Adam Stinovich to their offensive coordinator and the Bears go to Green Bay and they hire Packers quarterback coach Luke Getze as their OC. Um, I know it's sort of early and I'm sure we'll dive into these a little bit more. Uh, I guess I'll ask you about Dable, though, um, because with him leaving Buffalo, what does this mean for the Bills offense? What does this mean for a guy like Josh Allen? I don't think it means a whole lot because the Bills have someone like Josh Allen. Like, I would feel better, obviously, if they kept everyone intact and it was like, hey, we get to run this back again. But this was kind of the expectation that he was going to leave. And I think it's at the point now where, like, if he left last year, I would have had concerns and been like, was this, was Josh Allen's, you know, breakout year just a product of this great offensive system that Dable kind of ran? But we saw this year the system changed a little bit. It wasn't nearly as efficient as it was last year, but Josh Allen still put up great numbers. I, I think at some point, uh, if, if you have a quarterback as talented as like one of the elite guys, which is what I truly think Josh Allen is at this point. I think regardless of who's calling the plays, uh, you're going to get good numbers out of him. But I would say like, I would feel a little bit better if it was just kept intact and it wasn't a new system coming in. Does this hurt his chance to repeat as the QB1 for three straight years? I, I don't think so. I, I think he's still uh, in the running. I, I think if, if it doesn't happen, it's just because it's super hard for it to happen three years in a row. But mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't help his chances at all. But I don't think... I mean, he's he's so good as a dynamic runner and thrower that like it would be like if if Eric Bieniemy left the Chiefs, I'd be like, I'm not really too worried about Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, no, you're probably right. Um, but it would be interesting to see what happens. I know that Dable has talked about Daniel Jones. Uh, looks like he is, I won't say the future, but he's at least the present at quarterback for the Giants. And so I think they're going to try to have to work with him and, and see what happens. I know you actually tweeted about having Mitch Trubisky show up as the backup. Uh, for the I think it makes a lot of sense that we've seen a, already like a Buffalo to the Giants pipeline. Like they, they have the assistant GM now, the the head coach now uh, of the Giants was from Buffalo. They brought in a, a running back. They brought in uh, the offensive lines coach. Like there's a lot of pieces moving from Buffalo to the Giants. And I think Daniel Jones and Trubisky are similar players, similar play styles. I think it makes a lot of sense. But then a lot of people were where, you know, chiming in, like, why would Trubisky want to be a backup? And I'm like, everyone that is like, like he's getting a guaranteed <laughs> chance to start, I think values uh, Mitch Trubisky a little bit too much. I mean, also the fact is, if he goes to New York, there is a chance he could start. I mean, um, one, I mean, who's to say he couldn't compete with Daniel Jones? And also, uh, if it's like this past year, Jones missed a lot of time. So there's a very good chance Trubisky could get on the field in New York. Who knows? Uh, all right. So the big, big news that sort of happened over the weekend, but then officially happened on Tuesday morning. Tom Brady, after 22 seasons in the NFL, is officially announcing his retirement. The story story sort of broke over the weekend, and then there were uh, other sides sort of pushing back on it. Brady's agent was sort of pushing back on it. Brady's dad said he hadn't heard anything. There were reports that the Bucks hadn't heard anything. And then this morning... TB12 himself put out a nine Instagram page manifesto. I'm calling it a manifesto because anything more than two pages is a, if I have to swipe a second time, it is officially a manifesto and no longer a statement. So he put out a big, long retirement manifesto uh, that I didn't read the whole thing. I'm not going to lie to you because it was nine pages long. Uh, apparently didn't mention the Patriots at all. 
uh, which is sort of weird. Um, I don't know if that's a slight. I don't really have the time or energy to kind of put my brain power into that sort of thing. <laughs> I don't really care. Um, I know there's going to be plenty of people talking about the greatness of Tom Brady forever and ever and ever. Um, I just want to talk about fantasy right now because obviously him gone blows a big hole in the Buccaneers offense, right? Right now, the quarterbacks left on the roster are Blaine Gabbert and Kyle Trask. Do you strongly believe that Tampa Bay is going to go into the start of next season with one of those guys as their starter? No, not not <laughs> at all. I, I think they'll be heavily in the quarterback market. Jimmy G is a name that I know a lot of people are floating out there as a potential replacement. I love the idea of bringing Jameis back and just being oh. like, hey, Brady came in for two years, but we're bringing you back. And But the thing is, the Bucks offense obviously is going to be a lot different next year without Tom Brady. But there's also a lot of other pieces there that are free. Gronk could retire. Uh, Godwin is a free agent. We know Antonio Brown is done there. Fournette and Ronald Jones are free agents. So, like, that uh, O.J. Howard, that Bucks offense could be pretty gross next season. So, with, I mean, and that's whether Brady was going to play or not. It had the potential to be. I was going to say, there's a, there's a whole lot of potential for change there um this has the feeling of an offense where we really wanted so many pieces of it to an offense where depending on you know who stays and who goes we might not want any parts of it um you know i know that you know usually this time of year we start sort of looking ahead and figuring out okay how can this player rebound or get better or what have you i think we look at the bucks and there is zero idea of what to expect right now um i mean i don't know i how like let's let's say Chris Godwin stays right Mike Evans is is still there how much of it depends on who the quarterback is uh, your interest level in these guys a good amount I mean it, it, it all like no offense if it's someone like uh like Jimmy G that's a clear downgrade from Tom Brady that's a quarterback who can't throw the deep ball as well as Tom Brady which is naturally going to mean that there's gonna Bruce Arians gonna have to change his style of offense I thought when Tom Brady came that they were going to have to change their style of offense to air it out less because Brady had never been that type of quarterback, at least not in the last like decade before this. And now he's the best deep ball thrower in the NFL <laughs> all of a sudden. So Bruce Arians has a system that he likes, and it is really throwing the deep ball. So a lot of it is going to depend on who the quarterback is. And even if, let's say, they get a you know a solid veteran quarterback, if, if Godwin and those other pieces leave, we could be looking at, like, Mike Evans and Tyler Johnson, and that's going to mean a bunch of, like, double coverage and stuff on Mike Evans. I know I've kind of been the the low guy on Mike Evans for, for the last couple of years, and people on Twitter like to point that out to me. And, but, like, <laughs> I said it the other day. I was like, it could get really ugly for Mike Evans, and people are like, no, he'll still just keep putting up a 1,000 and, and double-digit touchdowns. And I'm like... At some point, something has to give, right? Like, he, he can't. And they were like, oh, well, he did it without Brady. And it's like, well, he had Jameis Winston who was willing to just throw YOLO balls every time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, like, I, I would worry about I still think he could get you 1,000 yards, right? Because, I mean, let's let's keep it real now. It's a 17-game schedule. 1,000 yards is less than 60 yards a game, right? So that, that certainly seems plausible. It's not really as impressive when you start to break it down. But the touchdowns could be an issue, depending on who the quarterback is. I do think if, you know, I don't, I don't think they're really going to bring back Jameis because I think 
Uh, you know, if he goes back to being the old Jameis and turning the ball over, like Bruce Arians might have a stroke. But, um, <laughs> you know, but he's the kind of quarterback that could keep Evans' numbers afloat. That could kind of keep him with that same or a similar touchdown potential. That could keep him uh, getting close to 1,000 yards. But uh, you're right. Uh, a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, that number could be in jeopardy. Who knows? Um, so we'll see. But there's there's a lot of questions that the Bucks have to answer. Uh, before we we start next season, with, but uh, but Tom Brady, officially done. Normally, I ask if a guy is a fantasy Hall of Famer, but that feels like a silly question right now. <laughs> He's um, the greatest athlete to ever lace him up. I mean, so yeah, maybe he'll have a strawberry now that he's uh, <laughs> now that he's retired. Who knows? <laughs> Uh, all right, let's let's turn to fantasy wide receivers. Uh, going back, of course, looking at the top five through week 17 from this past season. No surprise. Number one, Cooper Cup. Number two, Devontae Adams. Number three, Debo Samuel. Maybe the surprise uh, in this group. I don't think anybody had that pegged at the start of the year. Justin Jefferson at number four. Jamar Chase, number five. Also, maybe a little bit of a surprise because, you know, back in, in August last year, apparently he was blind and had one hand and nobody thought he could play in the NFL. <laughs> who knew? Uh, so he finishes as your wide receiver five that gets me to the three big wide receiver draft strategy questions and the first one how many wide receivers are worth or going to be worth a first round pick in 2022 i think a minimal of two uh with the max potential at four like i think as of right now if Devonte adams is still playing with aaron Rodgers, i think adams and cooper cup are first round locks um but I think also depending on the hype and who like if Minnesota, who their head coaches, that'll determine a lot. But I think Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson can definitely slide in. And, and in fact, I, I've said it. I wouldn't knock anyone if they took Jamar Chase as the number one wide receiver off the board. I wouldn't knock anyone if they took Justin Jefferson as the number one wide receiver off the board next year. So for me, I think there's a clear cut top four. And I think that at least two of them go in the first round with a chance. And in some drafts, it'll be it'll differ from draft to draft. But I think there's a chance that we could get three or maybe even four, which is such a difference from what the draft board looked like last year. Yeah, I think you know, Cup for sure is there. You're right. Adams, if if he is still playing with Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams is in there. Um I think Jamar Chase is going to be your your third wide receiver at worst. I mean, he he may go higher than that, but I think at worst he's your wide receiver three coming off the board in a lot of leagues. I think he probably sneaks into the into the first round. Uh, and I'm sort of with you on Justin Jefferson. A lot of it depends on the coaching situation. Um, do we believe that Kirk Cousins is going to be there next year? Because I think that makes a difference too. If they're getting a Harborough, I think so. Like I, I mm-hmm. think that. At that point, you're going all in. And with Tom Brady retiring, with Aaron Rodgers, the rumors are like the Packers don't want to see him in the NFC. <laughs> then like that leaves like Russ as like and like Kyler Murray and Matt Stafford. After that, the NFC is completely up for grabs. So I think the Vikings, with the talent that they have on offense, will be looking to compete next year if they go in that direction. If they go in a different direction, maybe uh they don't go all in with Kirk Cousins, but I think if we see like a big coaching hire that they go one at least one year all in with this team. Yeah, I think that that probably makes some sense there. I'm like thinking as you're talking, right? I'm looking at the the NFC quarterbacks, right? I mean, uh, so Brady we know is is gone. Um, you know, if Rodgers somehow leaves the NFC, uh, I mean, who are your best quarterbacks in the in the conference? You got Kyler, you got Stafford, you got. Russ, presuming he doesn't go to, say, Denver or something. And they're all um, in the same division. 
Right. Um, <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, you got Dak um, yeah. in Dallas. Uh, other than that, there's a there's a lot of question marks. Like Kirk Cousins <laughs> is top five in the NFC, I think. He, he might be. He might be <laughs> if some of these other moves actually end up happening. That is a weird thing to think. Um, okay, so when deciding between multiple wide receivers, let's say we get to that part in the you know third, fourth round when wide receivers start coming off the board really heavy. If you're deciding between multiple guys, is there something in particular that you look for that ends up being a deciding factor? Yeah, and, and it's something that I know you definitely have touched on a lot as of late, but I don't look at like talent. Like you're never going to catch me watch it. Like, like if I'm debating between two receivers, I'm not going to be like, let me pull up their film and see which one I think is the better route runner. No, like I go to which one is in the better situation, who has the better quarterback throwing him the ball, who is in the offense that I think could score more points and has a better play caller, who is in a position where they're going to get a large target share. And that, um, that is usually what I, I think situation when it comes to receivers, especially matters way more than talent. Uh, so for me, that is always what it's coming down to. And it's not always going to be right. Like this past year, I was saying like, how is someone like Terry McLaurin and CD lamb, two players that, you know, I loved Marcus. How are they going over Allen Robinson? I was saying, because to me, the situation led itself to like Allen Robinson is a safe bet to see 150 targets. I know it didn't work out and, and I'll own that big L, but like that is a, a classic way of like how I like to think. It also led me to draft Cooper cup in a lot of leagues in the middle rounds this past year. Yeah, I do think, I mean, I think, you know, like I've been saying opportunity over talent is such a big deal. So I do look at, you know, what, what is a team's passing volume? Is it, is it, you know, also, you're right. Quarterback makes a big difference, right? I would rather have, say, the third wide receiver in an offense where I know I can trust the quarterback uh, versus a third wide receiver on a team that maybe is bad, right? Like the, the Jaguars are a bad team and they have to throw the football a lot in the second half. Um, I don't want their third wide receiver over, say, Tyler Boyd. You know, who who you know is in a better situation in Cincinnati. He's got a better quarterback and a better offense, at least for right now. Um, so I think that's sort of a thing to, to kind of keep in mind. I know we're going to, you know, we're going to be splitting hairs, I think, this summer in a lot of cases because we're going to get to the fourth round, fifth round in a lot of drafts. And there's going to be a lot of good wide receivers out there. Um, but I think, you know, and, and we'll talk about this more. But if you have that idea, you have that plan of what separates guy A from B from C, uh, I think you can feel sort of confident about what you're doing in, in your draft. Uh, last one, what is your late round wide receiver draft strategy? Target upside. Like, I am not going to be the guy that's going to take that, like, you know, like that Cole Beasley type player that can give you like 10 fantasy points a week. Like that, to me, I know there's a place for that in fantasy, but when I'm talking about like late round wide receivers, I want to take the upside shots because if it doesn't work out, I could just you're likely to cut your your late round picks anyway for waiver wire targets. So I'm I'm all about going for upside, and it doesn't always work out. But when you pair the upside along with the situation, I think that's how you could find some good late round picks. And it's why in a lot of drafts, like I know you were on him a lot too, Marcus. I was drafting Amon Ross St. Brown in a lot of places. He was actually in my best ball draft, my most drafted player. I, I looked back and I saw that and I was like, oh, wow, that, 
that really worked out for me. But it was because I thought that he could play. I thought he had some talent. I thought, you know, that being young, he brought upside. And then I was just like, it's a great situation. Like, there's no clear-cut wide receiver one there. So a player like that could win. It's not always going to work out. And like I said, you're more often than not going to drop that late-round pick anyway. But to me, that is what uh, what I always look for in the later rounds. Yeah, I just think that opportunity, that that chance, when you look at rosters and you, you don't see a clear-cut number one or even a clear-cut number two. I mean, you know, we, we keep talking about the Chiefs all these years and looking for who is their wide receiver too. Um, you know, and I know there are some folks out there who who kind of put it on Byron Pringle and, and late in the season, I kind of paid off. So I think there's some opportunity when you look at guys uh, who maybe aren't getting a whole lot of run sitting around late rounds, but if they have a chance to maybe step into a larger role in their offenses, uh, I think that's worth sort of taking the dart throw on. And you're right. Look, if, if it's a late round pick, uh, if you're talking into the draft, it doesn't work out. You cut them after a couple of weeks. Generally, no harm, no foul. Although, uh, I will say Maurice Jones-Drew has admitted the last couple of years he has traded um, guys who've gone on to be stars. Like I think he said he had Jeff- Justin Jefferson two years ago. Jefferson got off to a slow start. Uh, MJD traded him. Boom. Uh, this past year, he had Jamar Chase. Chase got off to a kind of slow start. Uh, MJD traded him. You see what happened. So I would also keep an eye on Maurice Jones-Drew <laughs> and see if he's trading any young wide receivers early in the season because maybe that's a guy that you want to go get. Add to your roster. Um, All right. Take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, we'll kind of look ahead at some of the wide receivers in 2022 next on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have... Hair plugs. I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay. So you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah. Like, check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, hey, <laughs> hey, stranger, I don't know what you think, and this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have know to do that saying? with Some everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but. All right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, so time to play some hype train or smoke screen when it comes to wide receivers. I got three names here. Uh, two of them kind of serious. One of them sort of tongue-in-cheek, but uh, we'll play some hype train or smoke screen. The first one, Debo Samuel will repeat as a top five fantasy wide receiver in 2022. This is the hardest one of the three for me. I, I'm going to say smokescreen uh, just because I, I know you've said it. I, I kind of agree with, well, I, I don't kind of, I fully agree with you. It feels like this was like, 
a season where everything broke right for Debo Samuel. He had such a large target share. The the way they were using him as a running back and allowing him to, to basically score all the goal line touchdowns, it was tremendous. It was so much fun to watch. He nearly got his team to a Super Bowl, and I felt so bad for him when he lost. But I, it just feels like everything broke right for him this year. And I, I think he'll have a really good year next year. I'll, I have, I'll have him ranked as a wide receiver one, but I don't think he'll be in my top five. I already said I, I have my top four with it being Cup, Adams, Chase, and Jefferson. Then I think you could put in like Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Debo Samuel. Like there's a lot of competition for that fifth spot. So uh, I, I'll have him just outside of that. I have him more as like a top 10 guy than top five, but still a good fantasy pick next year. I think he's still going to be a great fantasy pick next year. But, yeah, I'm, I'm calling smokescreen on this one, too. Um, the eight rushing touchdowns seems really hard to duplicate for a guy who was technically a wide receiver. Um, you know, and I, I do have questions about what the offense is going to look like next year. I mean, obviously, the expectation is that Jimmy Garoppolo is gone. Trey Lance is going to take over. Um, but what does that mean for all of the pieces around him, especially if, you know, is he going to be willing to dump the ball off? Uh, maybe make those short throws or will he take off and run himself? These are all a lot of unknowns. But I do think Debo has sort of established himself as the kind of the new alpha in that offense, even more than George Kittle. Um, so I think that sort of will keep him definitely in the in the wide receiver one range, without a doubt. Uh, but top five seems seems a little hard to repeat uh, coming up next year. So we'll uh, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go smoke screen on that one. Uh, okay, so we go from Debo to Odell Beckham Jr., who finished strong. He was kind of meh when he first got to Los Angeles. Finished out strong. Had a good game in the NFC Championship. Uh, will he again be a consistent wide receiver one next year? Hype train or smoke screen? I'm saying smokescreen, and I'm saying that as someone who really likes Odell, was rooting for him, was was very happy to see him with the Rams, and the Rams do not make the Super Bowl without Odell Beckham Jr. I, I just don't think it happens, but I don't think he's a wide receiver one for fantasy purposes. One, it depends where he signs. I... The more that this Rams run is going on, I find it hard to believe that he is going to leave L.A. I wouldn't be surprised if they brought him back and him, Bobby Trees, which Cooper Cup even calls Robert Woods Bobby Trees, which I thought was amazing. (laughs) Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they ran it back there. We've heard some rumblings with the Chiefs. He's obviously going to pick a team that, that has a good quarterback and stuff. So I think he'll be a wide receiver, too, for fantasy purposes. Uh, but I, I would not be buying back in as a wide receiver one. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I think... You know, at first I was kind of like, well, maybe he does leave. Maybe he stays. But even if he stays, uh, that means there's a lot of mouths to feed, right? I mean, you got Robert Woods coming back. You'll have OBJ. You'll have Cooper Cup. Uh, you know, poor Van Jefferson ends up. He seems like sort of the odd man out. Uh, you know, if if Beckham sticks around there, they're still going to run the football, right? Because Cam Akers is still going to be there as well. Um, so it seems sort of hard. But it was a guy. It was it was nice to see. Odell remind us of the player he could be um and you know in the end it kind of went the way I thought I thought he'd have some games where it's like hey this is you know this guy remember this guy he was a stud once upon a time then he had some games where it's kind of like yeah I don't really know uh I think that's sort of gonna be him for the foreseeable future so uh, I think he could be a nice piece I think a lot of it as you mentioned depends on where he goes but um I don't know that he's a he's that wide receiver one like he used to be uh all right last one here Hype trainer smokescreen, Antonio Brown will be on an NFL roster at, I'll say it, even at any point in the, the year next season, will he be on an NFL roster? I'm going to say smokescreen 
because I find it hard to believe that a player could just flat not only just quit. Like we saw, we've seen players retire at halftime before. But he <laughs> took his jersey, his pads, he ran up, and then he celebrated when the Bucks got eliminated. Like to me, that's a that's a hard one to kind of overcome. It really seems like it's Ravens or bust at this point. Like he's even posting pictures on social media of him in a Ravens uniform. Lamar seems on board with it. I know Marquise, I mean, they're, they're cousins, Marquise and Antonio Brown. So there's that connection there. Uh, but the Ravens have a lot of good young pass catchers. I'm not sure if it's just worth the headache that we know Antonio Brown could become if things don't go right for him. Uh, so I, I'm going to say smokescreen, but obviously I think it comes down to the Ravens or bust. You talk about players retiring at halftime. That that felt a little personal, huh? <laughs> like, uh, the the Vontae Davis. <laughs> it's one of my favorite. He apparently was like, I said, if I ever felt slow on a football field, I was hanging it up. And he said for the first time ever in his career, that was the game he felt slow. And he was like, I'm done. So, like, I kind of <laughs> respect it. I mean, look, he was true to his word. So, <laughs> no doubt. Uh, yeah, that was funny. Uh, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm going to say hype train. I'm going to say that at some Ooh. point... Some team that is is needy at wide receiver, they're gonna pick up that phone and they're gonna call Antonio Brown. Now I'm not I'm not gonna make any predictions about how it will go or how it will end, but something just tells me that you know that he's somehow not done. Like you would have th- you would have thought that all the things that have happened in the last few years, right? I mean, going back to sort of how the way he he forced himself out of Pittsburgh. Uh, the the fact that he basically nixed that trade to the Bills, uh, going to the Raiders and and everything that happened with the Raiders from frozen feet to helmets that didn't fit. Um, I mean, not to mention the more much more serious you know allegations of of sexual assault and sexual misconduct. I mean, you know, even just the stuff he's done on the field, you would have thought that nobody would give him a chance, but yet here we are talking about Antonio Brown. Uh, at the start of February in 2022. So something tells me that, uh, I don't know, somebody's going to give him a shot and we're going to do this dance all over again. I don't know. I just, I have no proof of that. It's just a gut feeling I have. All right. Uh, as we wrap it up, uh, do our dynasty rankings, our top five dynasty wide receivers as of this moment, uh, who you got? Jamar Chase, who is arguably the best receiver in football already and is just barely old enough to drink. Uh, his college <laughs> teammate, Justin Jefferson, who's only 22. Uh, and then I, I still put in a couple of the older guys like Cooper Cup, 28 years old, Tyreek Hill, 27. I, I still think because they're tied to great offenses that you're going to get a few really high elite years out of them. So still have them in the top five. And then Jalen Waddle at number five, who showed a lot this year, broke rookie records. Uh, I know he's not quite what Jamar Chase was, but he showed a lot. He could be a deep receiver. He could be a possession receiver. And uh, I, I just think the future is really bright for him. He, he showed a lot this year. So at such a young age, I felt the need to to include him over guys like Diggs and Debo and Adams, who I had just outside the top five. So your your top five is identical to my top five. Uh, I, I left Devontae Adams off just because I'm not sure about his quarterback situation. And even still, even if, if Rodgers somehow does come back, I mean, how many more years are they really going to play together? I think that has an impact. Uh, the reason I, I wanted to put Jalen Waddle a little bit higher than number five is just that uh, as much as I've I've tried to be a Tua fan, I you know I, I do have some concerns about him long term. Are the Dolphins going to stick with him long term? Can he be a dynamic quarterback, or is he you know has he 
approached his ceiling already. Um, starting to wonder about that. So that's kind of what kept Jalen Waddle at five. But the fact that right now uh, it looks like that Dolphins passing game is is pretty much built around him is is pretty much a lock. Um, Cooper Cup, obviously, it's it's hard to keep him out after what he has done. Tyreek Hill, sort of same situation because he and Patrick Mahomes look like they are set to uh, to eat together for for quite a long time. But uh, yeah, our one through five. Uh, absolutely identical when it comes to the uh, the dynasty wide receiver rankings. So, um, I was gonna say like you know there are no games this weekend. I don't know what I mean, there's the Pro Bowl. Um, I know we'll, we'll we'll do a Thursday show, but it's sort of weird to not have like a DFS lineup or slate to look forward to this week. I don't I don't know if, if that's weird to you. Yeah, um, Nicolette's very happy that there's no uh, football <laughs> on this weekend. She, but but like I'm going to the the Super Bowl experience. I'm gonna go check that out that, that here in downtown LA. So it's not a a completely football free weekend for me. But I'm sad, man. I, I I after next Sunday, that's it for months. And like I know initially the break is like oh we get to like, but then you know we get a little bit into it. And I'm like I I kind of miss watching football. <laughs> I was saying, I mean, but soon pitchers and catchers are supposed to report, but maybe not. Like, I don't. Uh, that's a whole a- other. Can April of might just be all about the NFL draft. Who knows? I mean, it, it might be. It, it's. I don't even want to talk about that part. Like the the whole <laughs> the whole lockout thing going on in baseball. So, all right. Uh, anyway. I think that's a good point to stop this one here. That'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Get vaxxed, wear a mask, do good, live well. We'll talk to you on Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.